0: I wish someone had told me at school that if you can write, you'll be set for life. Stay hungry, it's the big one. Stay hungry to learn, stay hungry to help others. (laughs) It's usually Guns N' Roses, I don't know if that's inspiring. Seeing all those different people on the bridge crew, whether they were black, whether they were Russian, whether they were women, whatever, all coming together and working together, I just thought that was cool. When lockdown number one hit, felt very sorry for myself. Joel and I lost about 80% of our business overnight.
1: Fuel your dreams, ignite your inspiration. Join us and feel at home here at
0: Fearless Inspiration. But my wife said to me, how are the kids going to remember us during lockdown? Are they going to remember, you know, mum and dad who were shouting and swearing and moaning on the sofa, or will they remember two people who try to help, try to better themselves and not get caught up in all the madness. So that last line he sings on camera, I still love you. And then there's a cloud of smoke and he disappears off. And that was essentially the last time he was seen on the screen. That, that's his last line to think all that crap he's going through with his own health, but it's still all, above, all about the fans. His work ethic as a GP was amazing. He never got phased, certainly not in front of me or my brother when we were kids. I think younger people are, a lot more enlightened than when I was younger about race, about religion, about gay rights.
1: And today's guest is Andy Rayo, who gives the full mountain marketing design with his company Code Break. He's a best-selling Amazon author with Stay Hungry and a loving family guy with two gigantic cats. Thanks for joining us, Andy, today. Where are you joining from? I'm in sunny Shrewsbury, the the centre of the universe. Cool, cool. Can you tell me something that you just love doing and that is, you're also good at? Something
0: that drips out of you? I love my job. One of those lucky people who loves what they do. So I've got to be honest, I think my passion has been to help grow small to medium-sized businesses via better marketing. That's what Cobrate does. I, I love it. I've done it for years. And I think most importantly, I've seen the end results because I think some people think marketing, you know, it's a load of snake oil stuff, but the end result with our clients is seeing... Business owners, you know, independent business owners being able to spend more time with their partners, being able to take their kids on holiday or step back from the business, give back to the community. So that's something I just love doing because it's, I guess it's been, I've been doing a long time now. 1996, I started at ITV before (laughs) depressingly, before some of my team were born. And to be honest, after a few years in the wilderness, I I knew that was what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a doctor like my dad. Um, something he was disappointed about but when my dad came and visited the the offices at ITV and saw the kind of stuff we were doing the kind of TV programs we were helping create he was proud and and to be honest I felt I'd sort of let him down up to that point um, not going into medicine but marketing yeah it's just I live live breathe and sleep it.
1: Well that's great that your passion is your work and you're helping see other people get their own happy so yeah that's beautiful thanks. So I've done a bit of research on you, but before I go to that, just to get straight to the inspiration, who inspires you most and why?
0: Oh, I suppose a lot of people probably say their partner, and I could easily default and, and say my wife, who is amazing and way too good for me. Uh Joel, my business partner who who you've also met, he'd be a very close behind because he, you know, he he's had some challenges in his life. And I've got nothing but admiration for all that Joel has accomplished. Because, you know, it's easy, especially in business, to give in, to throw in the towel, but John will fight, and we're both unemployable now. So a refusal to give up is a necessity. And uh, you know, to think my mum always used to tell me I was stubborn. I took that as an insult when actually it's a compliment because people do give in too easily, especially in our game. Especially in their marketing, they give up on their YouTube too easily. They give up on their podcast too easily. You know, our own podcast. You know, it took six months to get traction. Up till that point, nothing. But, but to be honest, I mean, the person who inspires me the most it would be my my late father, probably talk about my dad a lot. His work ethic as a GP was amazing. He never got phased, certainly not in front of me or my brother when we were kids, despite the, the huge demands that were being put on him. I remember him being called out during Christmas dinner, you know, we're all as a family having Christmas lunch together. And he got a phone call off a patient and, and their son was dying and my dad had to rush off. And it turned out that their son, he just had a really bad hangover. So even stuff like that, he didn't get stressed. But to be honest, that was probably the moment I decided a doctor's life wasn't for me. But my dad is from India, so he's never, never believed in segregation. He was very much about integration, but he said, especially when he came over here in the late sixties, I guess he had more of a point to prove. And so he always told me always be the hardest worker in the room, which, you know, Dwayne Johnson's nicked that quote now. In fact, we've got that quote up on the wall uh, in the office next door. And whether I was working the factory as a student, working in London or working for myself, you've got to work smart. I'm not talking about hustling 24-7, but work hard on what matters. And I suppose inside work and outside of work. So he was a fabulously inspiring person, probably didn't realise it or appreciate it too much at the time. But yeah, yeah, a long answer to a short question. That's no, a wonderful story.
1: And I heard on one of your podcasts, you're quoting your dad in How to Be a Better Listener. His phrase was, You've got two ears and one mouth, and use them in that proportion. So that's good advice for me, actually. But anything else you want to expand on that bit?
0: Oh yeah, well, I mean, Dad was a religious man, so yeah, he said to me, "God gave you two ears and and one mouth. Use them in that ratio." And he said, "Whether that's in business, whether that's going on a date." So I never thought that my dad, you know, this little Indian doctor bloke, (laughs) would be giving me dating advice, but he was. He said, "People will just talk at you." Yes, and I suppose for a doctor, it's important for him to listen. You know, I guess nowadays people have some kind of symptom, they go onto Google and search for it, where, you know, you go to a doctor and the doctor will actually listen to what symptoms you have, what pain you're experiencing and, and give you a bespoke solution. But dad said it was the same dating, I guess, same on sales calls, you know, you we've probably all been some kind of breakfast networking do where you, you someone's pinned you in the corner of the room and they're trying to flog you their products or their electricity services or whatever. So it's like, no, it's it's about listening. And my dad was a great listener, very quiet man, I suppose, but he was just absorbing it all. And some points I realized I need stop talking, let the other person speak.
1: No, thank you. That's sound advice. So I've got a little bit more on your background here. So you, you studied in psychology and then. You worked at Carlton TV, where you learned a lot about sales and marketing and also then Pearl and Dean Cinema. And then later on, you bought a local Shropshire advertising franchise. And then you've gone on to partner with Joel to create this amazing code break marketing business where you do the design and the marketing as well. So it's quite a journey. Can
0: you tell us any bits of that journey that what inspired you along? There's an entrepreneur called James Sinclair. He runs a string of like day nurseries down south and he's got like sort of amusement parks and zoos and stuff. Really, really, really cool bloke. And he left school at 16 and started off being a children's entertainer. That's how he started his business journey. But When it comes to university, he's got some quite frank thoughts and he's got full admiration for people who go to university because they know what they want to do. They want to be a vet. They want to be a doctor. They want to be a dentist and they have to get certain qualifications to do that job. He's not so keen on people who go to university because they simply want to put off working for three years and and go drinking. And I was certainly the latter. I didn't really know what I wanted to do apart from I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. So university for me was just a, a time to let my hair down. But I've always been interested in film and TV and stuff. And some of the earliest memories I have of my dad are going to the cinema. He took me to see Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is probably maybe the first ever cinema trip I had. And so I saw, my, almost like, fell into applying for jobs in, in the kind of media industry. And I got a job at, at ITV, at Carlton TV, before they started buying all the other ITV franchises. And that was brilliant. And it really was, you know, leaving home to go to university and within a week of graduating, I had the job at, at Carlton and it was thrown in the deep end, sink or swim. And and I was given great help, and I had some great mentors. Uh, in fact, on my first day, my first boss there, he said to me, always remember, the worst number in marketing is one. And I probably say that in every blog I write, every video I do. And so the lessons I learned then, you know, 25 years ago, still stand the test of time now. And I think it's really helped show me that Technology will develop, and you know, obviously, social media wasn't around when I started off, but no matter what comes along, the basic tenets of marketing will be the same, which are market, message, media. So, you know, know who your audience is, know what to say to them, and know where they're consuming their media. But if you just tell someone something once, just market your product or service once isn't enough, especially now when people are getting bombarded with information. So, what he told me on that first day still stands our clients in good stead because a lot of marketing isn't the knowledge. The knowledge might even be just 20% of the solution. The 80% is the doing it consistently. Like I mentioned earlier, some people, they give up on their marketing too early. You know, we could have easily quit on our own podcast, you know, four or five months, lots of time. When are we going to see the fruits of our labor? But then come month six, whoa, just starts snowballing. Yeah, you know, that, that's inspiring. So, so, so yeah, obviously your, your, your own podcast journey.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we're on um, kind of episode six-ish now. So, yeah, to thank
0: you for giving me the oomph to keep going. No, you've got a great subject. You Yeah, carry on, carry on, because I think if there are other people trying to do what you do, chances are they're probably going to quit. Like the people who who go to a networking meeting once and then say, oh, I didn't get any business, oh, that was rubbish, never go again. Where sometimes some of the best networking clubs we used to be members of, you know, sometimes it would take six months or, or even a year because they – They've got to know you, to like you and, and to trust you. And it's the same with any marketing you do. You can't just, you know, put an ad in the paper one night and just sit there waiting for the phone to ring off the hook. And so, yeah, I, I learned a lot at ITV. and Then Pearl and Dean, you know, moving into, into cinema advertising, cinema, way back to, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture. That was amazing. Got to go to film premieres and, and meet a few cool people. I'd usually had quite a few drinks by that point, unfortunately. Some great experiences to look back at fondly and some, some good lessons learned. Don't worry, I've made notes of today's top ten hits of inspiration.
1: Hang on to the end to hear the summary. Great, when well, Star Trek, I have only just recently watched the last fuels but you sound as though you're quite a Star Trek fan, and I, I've really enjoyed the last three. I forgot the name of the series, but that, the latest film series from Star Trek that's been out for the
0: last nine years. But I've only just watched them, but I, I got a lot out of, of watching those. Yeah, big fan of J.J. Abrams and Star Trek for me. Yeah, and, and it probably was. Since 1979, when my dad took me to see the motion picture. I guess that was the year he took me to see Empire Strikes Back as well. I think that was 79, 79 or 80. But yeah, l- love love Star Trek. Always have done as a kid. Still will go to Star Trek conventions. Uh, now now they're back running again. And and I've met um, William Shea, who played Captain Kirk. And I've met George Takai, who played Sulu. And I love it. Especially the original series, the nineteen sixty series, that was being rerun in the seventies, and well, be re- <laughs> rerun all the time, isn't it? Seeing all those different people on the bridge crew—you know, whether they were black, whether they were Russian, whether they were women, whatever—all coming together and working together. I just thought that was cool because, you know, back in the seventies and in the eighties, you know, I faced quite a lot of racism, um, right. and I know obviously racism is, is still around. But it didn't seem to be the case in in Star Trek. There were all these different nationalities working together, and I love that. That's really, really great. And what, you may already have answered one of
1: my questions, but I will ask it anyway because I personally love inspiring events that somehow spontaneously bring people together and just melt hearts and you know make people feel as though they're on the same team. Other than the Star Trek example, have you have you any other examples in your life of an inspiring event or situation in that kind of space? I'm
0: going to show my age again now. I've already talked about the 70s quite a lot. I think this was, was it 84, 85? One of the first memories I have of almost like barriers being dissolved was Live Aid, you know, in July. I think it was 85, wasn't it? And I suppose it's the first event I can recall on a global scale where all these different people came together to raise money and, you know, have fun at the same time. Yes. But for that glorious Saturday afternoon, race, religion, taste in music, none of that seemed to matter. and Code Break, our own mission statements which is also on our wall, is to help people and have fun. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's where, where that came from subconsciously. But even though they'll, you know, Bob Geldof will have his detractors and there'll be people saying, oh, how much good actually came out the other end in Ethiopia. And I'm sure lots more good came out of it than bad. But for me, that was, I still think it's an inspiring event. And it certainly was back then in, in the mid 80s where, there was some, a lot of bad stuff going on, and that was brilliant. I, I wish I could have gone, but I was a bit too young for I think my parents to let me to let me go to Wembley with my mates.
1: Yeah, no, that's I've seen clips on YouTube. It was not an inspiring event. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Now, is there a time when you've been to a web or had a challenge when some things
0: inspired you to do something? It might sound a bit corny, but I suppose like like a lot of people, when lockdown number one hit, felt very sorry for myself. Joel and I lost. About 80% of our business overnight. And, you know, I suppose we were getting bogged down with the news. We, we got a much better handle on that now. You know, I, I only got one news up on my phone and, and check it once a day and, and that's it. But, but someone, someone said to me, or did I read it somewhere? Someone said, when bad stuff happens, always look for the people helping because in a crisis, you'll always see people helping. And then rather than looking at the stats of how many people were getting COVID and how many businesses are going under, I started seeing. NHS workers, you know, doing double shifts or, you know, business bigwigs who had started becoming couriers or, or volunteers. And, and I guess I've got that perspective. So to be honest, you know, Joel and I, we stopped shouting and swearing and, and moaning on the sofa. We reevaluated what Codebreak offered. And had the opportunity and the time to streamline our business. We upped our exercise because that was one of the few things you could do outside the house. And and you know to be honest, even even started running some half marathons. I became an an NHS volunteer. And and I think the thing for me with that was I got two daughters, and they're they're now fourteen and eleven. But my wife said to me, "How are the kids going to remember us during lockdown? Are they going to remember you know mum and dad who were shouting and swearing and moaning on the sofa, or will they remember?" two people who try to help try to better themselves and not get caught up in all the madness that's probably where it really hit home for me that no i don't want my kids remembering me just curling up into a ball just ain't gonna ain't gonna go down like that so i think that really helped pick joe and i off the sofa and got cracking got on with it and now you know code break is in a stronger position than pre-pandemic right i'm not not sure i could do it again it's taken everything but looking again looking for those people who are helping and even when the worst things are happening worst catastrophes i think you will see people help and that's what i'm looking for very inspiring way to, to look at things now i saw
1: on your background that one of the things that you were keen doing was the copywriting part so that is one of your mm. and particularly the story parts of that
0: and the storytelling is there anything inspiring that in that space you, you can tell us I think no matter what happens with technology and marketing, the ability to write to influence people will always be massive. Now, a lot of people don't care so much now with spelling and grammar and stuff like that. But I think the written word, whether you you know, you might be able to upload a beautiful picture to Instagram, but that probably isn't going to sell your business. It's going to be the words that accompany that and the message behind it. And someone said a long time ago, you know, that facts tell, but stories sell. So if you can combine the two. So you can't just say that something is going to work for somebody. You need to back that up with statistics and source those statistics. But it's got to be around a story. Because, you know, since we were kids, I mean, my degree is, you know, in between all the drinking. I've somehow managed to come out with my degree. I've got a dual degree in English and psychology. So the psychology aspects to look back at your childhood to realize, obviously, you know, since you were tiny, your parents, your guardians, they read to you. And I remember sitting with my young kids reading Julia Donaldson to them. So we're brought up on stories. Yes. And as adults, it's the same. We, we like to hear stories. And so if we can weave a story into our clients, email marketing, into our clients, video scripts, social media posts, whatever it might do, it can really work for them. And um, Because I think there is in marketing, you know, there's a lot of style over substance, which is a massive gap we saw in the market. Lots of pretty pictures, lots of pretty videos and reels and Instagram stories. Yeah. But if the words behind if the message behind that, the story behind that doesn't resonate with people, someone might stop scrolling be like, oh, ooh, that, ooh, that's a pretty picture of Bob in his meeting. Great. But what's it going to do for me? And the picture isn't going to explain that. The words that accompany that will explain it because, you know, always say to the guys here, what's in it for me. We FM, our radio station, what's in it for me? That's all people want to know when they're reading a piece of marketing copy. Okay, that's brilliant. How's it going to help me? How's it going to take my pain away? How's it going to make my life better? And yeah, you know, I'm going to be biased because copyright copywriting is my background. But I wish someone had told me at school that if you can write, you'll be set for life. You can make a living through writing. And I think maybe my journey probably would have ended up the same journey. I just would have got there a lot quicker. That's nice. Now, for people who have got quite
1: low self-belief and forgotten how to wave their own flag, is there anything you can
0: offer to those guys to pick them up a bit? I say it's just another old saying, but you know, you're the average of the the five people who you hang around with the most. And when I talk about this with my team, I'm saying it's not just about offline, in person. It's about who you hang with online as well. And if the people you hang around with in life or on social media, if they don't motivate you, teach you, or make you smile. You need to somehow put some kind of limit on that exposure because if I don't know, if your Instagram feed is full of people moaning or full of fake people with fake lives going on about how how amazing it is to live in Dubai, it might be hard to be inspired to do good or to do anything, yeah. you know, to help other people. It's being a bit more grounded, and I think that's where you really and that's something else we took lockdown as an opportunity to do is to look at our social media feeds and think right. Do all these people need to be in our lives now? And we we went on a bit of a cull, to be honest. Yeah. I think before we've been so focused on the business people we meet, the business people in our circles, the friends and family. We hadn't really looked at the online channels where most people spend a lot of time on social media now. And again, you need to make sure those people motivate you. The podcasts you listen to, I'm sure there probably are podcasts out there that are just people moaning and whining, whereas podcasts such as yourselves, they're there to inspire people. and so if I'm in the car now rather than listening to music and obviously I'll listen to uplifting music, you know, whenever I can, but generally speaking now I listen to podcasts in the car. So when I, you know, drive half an hour to the office, I get out of the car, hopefully a a little bit wiser or a little bit happier or a little bit more motivated and inspired to do some good that day. And that's why some of my own podcasts, they do go on quite a long time. And I know some of Rob Moore, Rob Moore, who we both know, some of his podcasts are two hours long. But yes. I'm also aware that we need to have some podcast episodes at half an hour long because that is like the average commute. Yes. And so, yeah, it's, it's what you're exposed to. Because so if, if you are feeling low, you need those real people in your life that are going to G you up, but maybe also people who, who will be honest with you. And sometimes that, that's a struggle on social media. If you go asking for people's opinion on social media, generally speaking, because the people you're connected with like you, they'll just sort of tell you what you want to hear yes. and sometimes you do need those people who are you know going to give it to you straight you know maybe the people you went to school with who've known you for a long time your parents whoever it might be but you need that i think get that benefit from being buoyed up and motivated but also having people who aren't afraid to sugarcoat they don't sugarcoat stuff for you yeah i've not thought about doing that with my
1: own social media so that's that's a, a helpful point and now it's time for quick fire inspiration so, right, now it's time for
0: quick-fire inspiration. Oh, right, OK. So, um, what is your most inspiring film? Hidden Figures is a pretty good one, Hidden Figures. I don't know if it won a couple of Oscars. It was pretty pretty under the radar. It's um, a true story about the African-American women who, basically the mathematicians who put a man on the moon. Yeah. So, fighting racism and sexism. I mean, but to the point where astronauts wouldn't fly unless these ladies had looked at the numbers. And uh, there's an amazing scene in it where Kevin Costner, who's like the, the NASA director, he's brilliant in it. He wants to know where this woman's been, and she's been in the toilet. And he's like, well, it's 40 minutes. Why is it taking you that long? We've got stuff to do. And it's because the segregated toilets for African-Americans were like the other side of the campus. Right. And it's almost a bit of a realisation for Kevin Costner's character, because he basically walks down the corridor to where the sort of whites-only toilets are. And he takes a big fire axe and smashes down the sign and it oh it's very moving and obviously it's, it's a true story as well it's really really inspiring film i definitely look that one up your most inspiring aspect of nature do you love a sunrise i'm relatively new member of the 5am club big big robin Sharma fan so when i read that book but to be clear it isn't just about getting up at 5am it, it's about owning your morning whenever that may be for you own your morning, elevate your life, I think is the tagline. But for me, I like to get up early and walk the dogs. So if I'm walking the dogs when the sun's rising, so in the summer, that was brilliant. So obviously winter's coming now. So if I'm walking the dogs about half five, it's still pretty dark, to be honest. But that's really good. It just reminds me, no matter what, what stuff happens, you know, Hopefully the sun will always set and the sun will always rise. And even this morning, actually, when I was coming back, the sun was getting above the horizon, just this beautiful strip of orange. And I had my two dogs with me, fresh air, peace and quiet. Oh, just got to start the day right. If I start the day wrong, it really does make for a crappy day. If you told me that watching sunrises and journaling and meditation and all this stuff I'd be doing when I was like, you know, in my 40s, I'd be like, what a load of American nonsense, load of rubbish. like running on a treadmill with a you know a power book and, and a protein shake in the other hand at five in the morning. Like, yeah, rubbish. But yeah, it's a wonderful book. And I'm just lucky that I've lived in cities and London. Love it. Couldn't go back to live there, but I love visiting it. But where I live in the countryside now, to see that sunrise above the fields, yeah, that's yeah, probably my favourite bit of nature. Thank you. That's very beautiful. you um, your most inspiring aspect of design or style? Oh, I actually thought of one, but it's not like a marketing. I suppose you know, being in marketing design, I should give some kind of design thing. But and um, I was looking at a picture of um, one World Trade Center. I suppose obviously we're, we're recording this now, you know, a few days after the 20th anniversary of nine eleven. Obviously, it's a beautiful piece of architecture. But I just saw this saw this middle finger up to everything that was bad and wrong with the world. So there, there, there's there's a, a quickfire answer. Okay,
1: thank you. Your most inspiring song that you sing with your hairbrush before you go out.
0: <laughs> oh it's usually Guns N' Roses I don't know if that's inspiring Well I mean we, we, we talked about Live Aid earlier Obviously the guys that rocked that the most were Queen And I love the Bohemian Rhapsody film But they're Freddie's last music video um, So I don't think it was their, officially their last song they released But it's certainly the last music video he was in And the song is These Are The Days Of Our Lives Yes And obviously you can tell looking at it that he was very ill He still hadn't officially announced that he was he was hiv positive but he knew what was coming but it was still all about the fans so that last line he sings on camera i still love you and then there's a cloud of smoke and he disappears off and that was essentially the last time he was seen on the screen that that's his last line to think. all that crap he's going through with his own health but it's still all above all about the fans and i'm a big queen fan anyway yeah that's 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 cool yeah yeah no that's queen of
1: my favorite too so thank you i'm feel moved <laughs> hearing you talk about that so thank you and then your most inspiring aspect of travel might be a mode of
0: travel or an actual place you know i just just thought on, on the last point this october next month it's gonna be 30 years since Freddie mercury died is it i think it's october or november definitely 91 30 years i remember my friends exchanging the tapes
1: uh at school and at that point i wasn't really interested. I
0: remember that time yeah 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 91 wow uh travel i gotta my, my brother after he took a year off between a levels and, and university and he had the traveling bug big time i i never did really i want to now but as a kid i i wanted to, to earn money rather than go traveling but it sounds a bit square now but i'm getting a bit fascinated by railways which really worries my wife you know she she catches me watching like portillo's great railway journeys but it's amazing how this infrastructure was sort of built 200 odd years ago. And it's almost built quicker than train lines are getting built now. And I find that fascinating. Obviously, I guess it's a lot more labor intensive, but despite all this technology and and, and stuff, it still takes a lot longer to build a railway now than it used to. But if uh, I'm going to a business conference in Manchester uh, next week, and it's in the center of Manchester, and I've driven into the center of Manchester before, and it's a nightmare, so I'm getting the train. And I know that if I can find a quiet carriage I'll love that journey. And one of the things on my bucket list is definitely to do the um, the Indian Pacific, the Australian railway from Sydney to Perth. Right. And Portillo has done that once. I was watching his Australian railway journeys. Um, but yeah, yeah, it may, <laughs> not the coolest no, thing to true. say, maybe. But yeah, in terms of I, that, I what I find amazing. And, um, yeah, the, our last guest
1: was Elizabeth Villager to And she had been a tour guide most of her life. Yeah, it was the mode of travel, and she even wrote books while she traveled. Yeah, that actually spending time on travel for me, I get a lot of inspiration from it, just soaking up the changing scene. So it's not uncool at all, I don't
0: think. And trains are part of that. So I'm sure the younger people in my team are going to laugh after this now, but uh, they'll understand one day.
1: <laughs>
0: and I saw written somewhere that you've got, oh, you, you had two giant cats. Oh, yes, Barney and Casper. Are they pet cats? Yeah, so they are the American state of Maine. Their national animal or national cat is the Maine Coon. So they're winter cats. So they are, I don't know whether they are the biggest or second biggest cat. But yeah, they are domesticated, obviously. But yeah, they're just big cats. We lost our little normal cat a few years ago. And I never, I tell you, I never thought I'd get attached to a cat. I've always been a dog man. But anyway, that was pretty sad. And and my wife was like, oh, have you heard about Maine coons? I'm like, no. So we did some Googling and I was like, wow, this, they're almost like dogs. They're really friendly, you play fetch them. They don't really meow, they chirp and whistle. And anyway, it turns out there's this, this like mad Maine coon lady who lived in the same county as us, who, who just breeds Maine coons. And so my wife went off, I was at work, she went off to have just have a look at some of these kittens. <laughs> and basically this this wily old lady got her onto some two for the price of one deal, or, or get the second one half price, and so we've ended up with two with two giant cats. I don't know if this will come across on on the camera, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll see if I can show you because it's, yeah, it's I mean, hard. It's hard it's, oh, here we go. Right, so I don't know if this will. Oh wow! So they yeah, as big as your buddy, pretty <laughs> So that was Barney when he was about three. So he's he's had a couple more years growing after that. Yeah, they're brilliant. So, we got two dogs, two cats. You know, it's me, my wife, my two girls. So, it's, it's been a bit of a madhouse, really, but they're great fun. I I, I love, uh, yeah. And so, the cats love to get on fine? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I suppose maybe it's the same in most houses, but the cats tend to rule the roost. So, one of our dogs is a Jack Russell. So, she's a fraction of the size of the cats. <laughs> so, the cats know who's the boss. I think because my mum and dad work long hours it just wasn't practical for us to have a dog really when we were kids so I always vowed right once I get a place of own, I'm going to get a dog but how the other dog and the two giant cats joined the mix I don't know
1: yeah that's, that's a really beautiful story so we're getting close to the end now the last couple of questions uh
0: what is most right in the world I always hear older people and I suppose a lot of people might think I'm I'm one of those older people now but talking about all oh, the kids of today, all oh, the youth of today, whereas I think younger people are a lot more enlightened than when I was younger about race, about religion, about gay rights, you know? So, so when I was talking to my eldest daughter about Alan Turing, yeah, she thought I was like, it was some kind of like horrible joke. I said, no, no, this guy was chemically castrated because he was gay. You know, and I think about some of the racial abuse I used to get. And of course that's still around, but you know, Pupils at school giving you racial abuse. You know, that that's one thing. It's kids, blah, blah. But, you know, some of these were teachers. It was almost like it was part of life. I mean, on the plus side, the takeaway I had to take away from that was it, it did toughen me up, to be honest. But it certainly was commonplace. Whereas I, I think now, as far as I can see... It isn't commonplace. I certainly don't see it at my daughter's school. And to be able to talk to my children about gay rights, about freedom of speech, about freedom of religion. And I think, yeah, they're a lot more enlightened. I think that's wonderful in the world. Yes, that's, you know, looking
1: towards a a brighter future, hopefully. Absolutely, absolutely. And what is the next
0: book or your current book on your reading list? Oh, yeah, I mentioned Robin Sharma, didn't I? The 5am club guy. Yeah. I pre-ordered his book, The Everyday Hero Manifesto, and that arrived a few days ago. And you know, I, I just, I'm just really interested in self-development, maybe because for so many years, I was just like partying and messing about and, and didn't really develop myself too much. But I really love his writing. And, and so I'm looking forward to getting into stuck into that one because I do generally want to be a better person than yesterday and, and ideally not as good as tomorrow's. I, and I get it wrong most of the time, but I won't stop. You know, i mentioned i was stubborn earlier on so um yeah just looking forward to getting stuck into that because i think the 5am club has gone round the office now uh, once i explain to people it isn't just about getting up at 5am but it is about starting your day right and they've all taken something away from that book it sounds like you've got a beautiful community there in your office you share quite a few things yeah i i, I hope so i always want to you know want it to be a place of inclusivity I mean, one, one of our, we've got eight values that are framed on the wall. Stay hungry is, you know, it's the big one. Or stay hungry, stay hungry to learn, stay hungry to help others. And that learning, whether it's reading books, listening to podcasts, watching TED speakers on YouTube, however you consume, you've got to learn. And to succeed in at code break, you've got to want to learn. And I think when you've got that in common, hopefully it does make for a tight team. I'm sure I'll still get things wrong. But I want people to come in here. And like I said, there's there's our values on the wall. There's quotes on the wall. We do a book club. If there's a book someone's heard about and we haven't got it on our shelves, they know they can ask for the work Amex and go onto Amazon and buy it. And I won't bat an eyelid. It's just, uh, I think everything you need to know about marketing, about business, to a certain extent about life, it can be found in a bookshop that's really great thank you for your time today if people want to get in touch with you how should they do that if they visit codebreak.co.uk and find out everything about us about who we help how and and why and sort of contact details are on there as well um but yeah the website's the main the main the easiest way of getting hold of us brilliant well thanks thanks for your time today Uh, it's been a pleasure thanks for the invite i
1: feel just so much goodness coming out of that chat with andy It's like a heartwarming experience. Here are my top 10 hits of inspiration from Andy today. 1. A refusal to give up is a necessity. Consistency is key. It gives people the chance to know, like and trust you. For example, when you're building a relationship. 2. Work smart. Work hard on what matters. 3. As Andy's dad says, you've got two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. Be a good listener. 4. Market. Message. Media. They are the three basic tenets of marketing. Who are you marketing to? What are you saying to them? And where are they consuming what you're saying? 5. Help people and have fun at the same time. Have those good vibes of Live Aid. 6. Get inspired by events that dissolve barriers between people from different backgrounds and get them all on the same team. Like Star Trek. 7. Don't get too bogged down by watching negative news too much. 8. When bad stuff happens, always look for the people helping others out. 9. Ask yourself, how are the kids going to remember us during lockdown? Or your own version of this question as motivation to inspire yourself when you're in a tight spot. 10. The ability to write and influence people will always be massive. Facts tell, but stories sell. Combine the two of these. 11. Focus on how you're going to take potential customers' pain away. In your marketing strategy 12 you are the average of the five people you hang around with either online or offline if they don't motivate you teach you or make you smile maybe put a limit on that influence 13 make sure to keep in touch with those people who are going to be honest with you not just those who will tell you what you want to hear 14 on your morning elevate your life start the day right for the best chances of a great day 15 Get inspired by travel and great railway journeys. 16. Get inspired by your pets. 17. Get inspired by how younger people today are a lot more enlightened, maybe, than they were in the past. 18. Make your office into a great community of inclusivity and shared learning, like Andy does with Codebreak. And finally, 19. Stay hungry. Stay hungry to learn and stay hungry to help others. Thanks for joining me today watch out for news on our new group thank you everyone for listening today your kind attention is really appreciated and valued if you feel some inspiration from today's episode please share it and please leave us a review on itunes and if you wish leave us some comments in your comments please let us know any inspirational subjects you'd like us to cover as i aim to build a bank of both inspiration and stories of events that inspired close connection between groups of people if you have something to share in this space send me an email at inspiringteamhuman at gmail.com watch out for the next double header episode with inspiring couple Jonathan Mosenta and Rachel Fusting who are helping people be one with their soul as change agents also relationship alchemists helping people call in deeper love for themselves their connections and the world thanks again Look forward to seeing you next week for another boost of inspiration. Thanks to Ben Sound for the music.